And I won the argument to be able to honor the pastors today. So the other board members can relax because I, I, I got this. Um, so today is the final Sunday of Pastor Appreciation Month. And with all the cards and stuff and appreciation words and everything that you guys give them throughout the year, but especially this month, we have some other formal gifts here that we're going to give today. Sam and Allison, come on down. <clears throat> pastor Sam is our worship pastor, and those are for you and for you to share. And Allison takes care of our life group stuff, and they do a lot of other things behind the scenes that I'm not completely aware of, I'm sure. And things. If, so if you want to know more, Sam and Allison. <laughs> Josh and Liz Jans, come on down. We appreciate you guys and all you do with our youth and more and drums and guitars and all that stuff. You guys are awesome. Krista and Aaron Jans, come on down. Actually, Krista, this is for you. Aaron, this is for you. And this is for you both. Uh, we appreciate you and thank you. Krista is the children's pastor, and Aaron is her husband. And how you guys are an example to the kids and to us all, you guys are awesome. So we appreciate you. And last but certainly first, Pastor Scott and Linda. We appreciate you guys um, more than we can fully say, and in your leadership and things you you say overtly and things that you know we we just have to watch. We get to watch um, on the sidelines, so people can take pictures there. I'll get out of the way. Um, yes, let's say a quick prayer. Father, thank you for these leaders, these godly leaders. We ask that uh, you would bring them closer to you. And as you do that, that that would also bring us closer to you as well. As we learn to follow you and not just follow these leaders, but though they are worthy to follow. And we thank you for that, Lord. We bless them in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for taking that, wrestling that away from the other board members. I appreciate that. Um, I, I do, I, you know, these, these kind of things are, make me feel awkward. I, somebody did say to me this last week, and I, this made my heart warm. They said, you know, October's almost over and we can stop appreciating you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Have you noticed there's not a, uh, how would you say this, a uh, church attender appreciation month? <laughs> Emotionally, too. So, <clears throat> no, I thank, I thank you guys for this, and, and I, I brag on our staff. I, I love these guys. A few weeks ago, Linda, um, she told me it was like a Friday afternoon or something like that, and she said, 
hey, how about uh, we, have all, we have the kids over tonight? Well, I thought she was talking about my two kids, my son and my daughter-in-law. And um, I was like, okay. And then she said, but I haven't been able to get a hold of Krista, I think. I'm like, I don't think I have a kid named Krista. <laughs> and then it dawned on me, she means the staff. She means her kids, everybody. And that is really how we, we think about and interact with our staff. We really are family. And, and I noticed that from many of you guys, too, that, that uh, that's how you interact with our pastors here. And the greatest pastor appreciation for me that I can get is when you get involved and engage with the children's ministry, the youth ministry, and you support the, the pastors, and you, you, you realize what they're investing in your kids and in your and your own lives and those kind of things. That to me, that is that, I, that sounds cliche, and I guess I'm supposed to say that, but I'm telling you, that really is a major thing for me. Is is when you engage uh, in the kingdom of God and specifically supporting and and what what is going on with our leaders and our staff here. So, so thank you for that, and and um, and uh, thank you for the entire month of appreciation. Uh, so, so I get a lot of questions. Let me try to answer as many of these questions as I can. Um, the, yes, there is a fire hydrant out in our parking lot. Yes, it is permanent. That is going to stay there. And yes, it will be taller than that. Okay? They just had to inspect it. They were supposed to do that on Friday. I don't think the inspector showed up, so they, just, they were waiting. So they're actually working on it yesterday during trunk retreat. And uh, which was cool because the people were coming over asking how, what's going on and gave us an opportunity to talk a little bit about the church and some of that kind of stuff. But, but they ha- they, once they, they had it inspected, they got it all backfilled now, then they will put an extension on it and it will come up to full height. The reason it's in the middle of the parking lot is because on the final plans, when we get the expansion and the parking lot finished, that's not the middle of the parking lot. That's going to be an island area with another light and some things like that. So it's not like we just were like, this would be a good place. <laughs> Um, I know it looks like that, but, uh, but there's reasons and purpose for all of this. And if you go look on the plans out in the, in the hallway there, um, it actually has some, I don't actually know if it has a fire hydrant on it, but it has some of that stuff on there. So, so uh, yeah, that wasn't a oops kind of thing. Uh, this week they're putting in the water lines. Uh, the plumbers are coming in. They were here this last week looking at some stuff. They're starting, they're starting in the, because it's going to take a, 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 probably another full week to get the water the water hydrant's a different line. That's a fire hydrant line. That's a specific dedicated line. There's another water line that's coming over right into this corner of the building here. But the, where the water taps into the building is actually downstairs, um, kind of underneath my office. And so uh, the plumbers are coming, starting over there, working their way up through the ceiling. The water lines are going to go through the ceiling and uh, come over to there. And then they'll tie that in. And um, probably, I, I, I'm... I'm very optimistic about these things regularly, but uh, it, it might be, we might have water Sunday, so <clears throat> might. I'll let you know, okay? Don't just go flushing the toilets because it can't handle it if we don't have the water up to par, but, but I'm excited about it. It's all happening. We're, we're having to change some stuff. This will all be torn up over here outside, and some things will be a little bit different over the next few weeks inside. You'll see some, some evidence of that. We, we just don't have a lot of space to like move things around and change things. So we're going to be uh, displaced in certain spaces and just kind of walk around this stuff or whatever. I don't care if you walk around it. Trip over it. But do what you want to do. And, uh, and it's all happening. 
So, so here's the thing. If you're saying to yourself, man, I'm really excited about this moving forward. I love what's happening. Then financially give to the building fund. We need it. Okay. If you're saying to yourself, this stuff irritates me. Why is there piles of dirt and a three inch tall fire hydrant in our parking lot? <laughs> then financially give to the building fund so we can get this fixed. There you go. All right, how many, how many of you like this kind of weather? I, these kind of things, I, how, many, how many really, you like this? I love this kind of thing. This is what fall is for me. I, I love the feel of it. I love the feel of the wet crispness in the air. There's just something, I love to, to, I love to mountain bike in this. This is like perfect mountain biking weather. Um, how many of you absolutely don't like it? Really, that many of you don't? What's wrong? You don't like what God does? You don't? <laughs> no, I don't. So, <clears throat> so I had a request last week <clears throat> to speak about this subject this morning. It was kind of a little bit already in line with what I was going to talk about, but I don't usually take requests. In fact, I don't think I've ever taken a request and, uh, and spoke about that. But I thought, you know, this is the, this is, it, it just kind of resonated in my spirit and I thought the timing was good, and so I want to talk about this. I'm going, to, I'm, going to look at, I'm going to look at a much bigger subject than this, but I'm going to look at what we call transgender issues um, in today's society and what that means. There's, there's more to it than just that word, and I think I'll, I'll, I'll try to unpack that a little bit. So I've been, I've been looking at this. I've read books and stuff over the last oh, probably four or five years about this. Go online. I'm always reading stuff, doing stuff. The last few weeks, I've been specifically studying a lot of stuff statistically about this, and then um, also some of the some of the information out there, um, having to do with the mental health side of this. And um, and so I, you know, quickly I got to the point where I realized this is this is too big of a subject. So I changed my mind and preaching about something else. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, this is this is too big of a subject to handle every single aspect of this. Okay, I could I could I could stand here for three or four hours and just give you statistics that that are being produced by different studies and different groups and things. But I will say this about the statistical side: is even though sometimes um, people that are trying to push this agenda uh, try to spin some stuff and um, and make things sound good that really are not, even with those people, there's not. Um, any good statistics that are happening with the transgender push. The, 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 the rates of depression go through the roof. They are already, they're already struggling before uh, that. In fact, a lot, uh, obvious, uh, oftentimes, depression-type issues push people toward trying to search for understanding, trying to figure life out and kind of stuff. And when society is handing you, pushing and handing you, um, this idea of transgender as a potential way that you can uh, vet what's going on inside of you, then they go that direction. But that's not an answer for depression and, and struggle and things like that. And then statistically, the, the depression goes off the charts. The suicide rates go astronomically high after somebody starts to, uh, to identify as transgender. And then specifically, if they go the next few steps, which is like... Um, surgeries and stuff like that, uh, the suicide rates go off the charts. There's, not, there's nothing that we see in any kind of um, legitimate mental health, emotional health studies 
that say that that um, that choosing a gender that is not uh, your biological gender is beneficial. We don't see it now. There now you can see some studies sometimes that'll try to make it look that way, but when you really look at the information, you really look at the statistics. There's nothing backing up that this is a positive thing. Um, on so so with that being said, I'm going to kind of set all that aside, and I want us to look at this from a I, I don't know any other way to say it except a very spiritual way, right? And, and what I think is, from, and I think hopefully you'll see this, this is my desire, is that you'll see this from the point of view of what I think God sees when he sees some of this kind of stuff, okay? And I'll explain that statement a little bit later, but, but uh, let's go back to John chapter 3, verse 16. I talked about this last week, and I'm going to reference this in the next few weeks a little bit. Um, I, won't, I may not necessarily read the scripture, um, but I'll reference this again. But in John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him, and this, this word believes, is, it's very important that we understand this culturally. Today, 2,000 years after this was written, the word believe, that w- the way we would use this word believe in our cultural context today is, is, a, is a cognitive um, connection or a cognitive affirmation of this. It's purely just a mental Yes, I recognize that this is real. Okay, that is not what this is saying, and this is not what have been uh, what ha- would have been understood in Jewish context. To say that you believe means that your life is affirming this, that your life is is um, is is playing this out, that your existence has become this. the The idea that there would be just a cognitive connection without a life direction that that would have have been seen as disconnected. In that context, in fact, in, in, uh, even in Judaism today, there's a lot of that still lingering there that you can't say you believe something unless your life attributes it. I showed this uh, a few months ago, that statement from uh, Jordan Peterson, where he said, it, I, I get concerned with so many people that say, I believe in God. He said, if I say I believe in God, then shouldn't my life look like it? If you believe there really is a God, shouldn't that change everything about you? Just knowing that he's real, because if he's real, that means all the stuff he said is true also. Shouldn't that mean a life direction? And that's what this is talking about. Everyone whose life is going this direction will not perish but have eternal life, which also lets us know that if you're not going the direction of God, if, you're not, if your life is not about Jesus Christ, then there is such a thing as perishing and it affects you eternally. This is, this is what we're seeing here. So God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, again, the, the word world here doesn't mean planet or people on the planet. It means um, cosmos, which is God's ordered system, the perfection that God designed. He ordered this thing. Now, this, I think this is very important in, in a much bigger subject, but even very specifically when it comes into the, the same arena and, and um, people struggling with transgender issues, that is, that is a, uh, a concept that it can be played out in a lot of different ways. The transgender mentality today is, is what's gained popularity throughout today. That's why it's being pushed in so many different arenas today. Okay? Um, that, that wasn't pushed when I was a kid, but, but the same thing, the same mental, the same emotional, the same all this stuff, there was, there was still the world's answers to all this stuff when I was a kid. It just wasn't transgender. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? Now, here's the big subject is God says 
that he created this whole thing and he created it unique and he created it special and that he created it intentionally. And then he puts us at the very center of this thing. And he, and you, you, I don't, maybe you've never looked at this, but you know it says that he creates the heavens, right? That, that's the stars and the planets. Think how big heavens are and how, what that took to create. You realize that our planet is very, very small, very tiny in comparison to most bodies of mass out there that we would call planets. God creates all this stuff. He does it in one day. He takes another specific day just to create us. Think about that. That I don't, I don't know how this works. This doesn't work the way I'm going to say it. I know this, but it's the best I got. Is whatever energy and resources and brains that it took to create all of the universe in one day, he, he spent that same amount of time just creating one person. And he makes us unique and he makes us amazing. And he makes us very intentional. And this is something that, that we don't process is enough. We think about purpose as like ministry, but he creates us with purpose that so much transcends just, just ministering to other people. There's so much more involved with this. There's so much more. And he says, this is the perfection that I've created and I put human beings at the center. Why? Because all the rest of it was created for humans to be at the center. We weren't created as just one of the many things he created. He creates all this other stuff and then he puts us at the center and says, and then, the, and I mentioned this last week, and then he says, that's very good. And we're at the center of this thing, okay? So Genesis, let's look at this. <clears throat> I want to I read a statement to you before we go there. I was, I was trying to, to figure out a way to process this and, and to say this for us so that we can understand it. Because and I'm, not, I'm not being rude when I say this, but the older you get, the less you understand the, the verbiage and the concept of what transgender really is in today's society, okay? And I'm, and I'm not saying that in a critical sense. I, I'm studying this all the time, and sometimes it still catches me that I just don't get this. I don't understand this thought process. It, it goes beyond me. Now, I believe there's the biggest reason is because it's a spiritual thing, and it's, and it's from Satan. Satan is trying to hurt. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy Okay, I, I've got a message prepared. I don't know when I'm going to speak it about that order. Why is it in the order of steal, kill, and destroy? Because if I was doing it, I would have put steal, destroy, and kill. But order is important in Scripture. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll preach it sometime. You can study it if you desire. All right. This guy, and his name is Jay, Jay Michelson, He's, and I got this from the Daily Beast, and he is a uh, Jewish rabbi, and he was trying to explain transgenderism in context of scripture, okay? And this is, this is bizarre, but this is the, what he's saying, all right? Now, the reason I'm saying for you guys that are older, this is the normal thought process for, for millennials and under, and very much the thought process in uh, mental health uh, arenas, okay? This is the thought process, and for you to be different makes you the, the abnormal one. He says, in the Genesis story, God creates human beings of male and female sex. But the creation story says nothing about gender. Now, the reason some of you are going, huh? Is because half of you were like uh, basset hounds, huh? Um, the reason is because you know 
It, it, this, is, this is common sense. It is intuitive to us. Gender and sex are the same thing. That they are not the same thing in today's thinking. He says, but the creation story says nothing about gender. Notice how the end of the resolution, now this is a medical thing. He linked to this, and it's a very large uh, medical discussion about this. But he says um, that the end of the resolution talks about God's design for gender as determined by biological sex. Where did that come from? Look at this. He says, gender as determined by biological sex. Where did that come from? Like, this is, a, this is something we need to process. He said, what chapter and verse did that come from? Remember, sex is not the same as gender. Definitionally, sex is about chromosomes. Gender is about cultural practices. Sex is what is between our legs. Gender is what is between our ears. Guys, this is the normal thought process. This is, this is why scripture, we, we read these scriptures and, and what happens, I've, I've seen this, I've done this myself so many times. You read a scripture and for years and years, decades, I'm old enough to have decades, decades of looking at a scripture and you kind of, you see it like this, really small, and then all of a sudden society begins to uh, open up in that arena and you realize that scripture means this. I'll give you one that, that I started processing 20, 25 years ago and it has amazed me over the last 25 years how big this scripture has got. The scripture that says in the last days their knowledge will increase. Doesn't mean just like spiritual knowledge. This is all knowledge. We know their life has changed so much in just 20 years, much less 50 or the last 200 is where it has changed the most. 2 to 250 is when we went. Everything before that was basically the same. And then everything changed. And, and all of a sudden that scripture gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, here's one that is becoming so big in front of my eyes regularly. Scripture says in the last days, the people will believe a lie. I never really could understand that totally as a kid. How can you believe a lie? If you know it's a lie, how will you believe it? When I thought to myself, well, then that means they're just choosing to believe it, but they know it's a lie. That's a spiritual context that what we are seeing unfold in our world, and specifically in America right now, is that they are actually believing a lie that they know is a lie to the point where it becomes truth to them. But, in, but it started out them knowing it's a lie. And that's what we're seeing unfold. And that's what this is. The idea that somehow gender and sex are different things. Who, who, who decided that one day? Uh, and let me, let me, this is important also. This is not a new thing. This has been around since the beginning. This idea that Satan is always trying to pervert and twist. Most major societies have collapsed because of this shift, this transitional cultural, socio-ideological, and obviously theological shift that they start becoming, and I'll, see, I'll show you this out of Romans, that they start becoming something that is not what God had designed people to be on a, on a core level, okay? And so then, then the society begins to change, and it always ends up in the same direction. It always ends up in a very perverse, um, homosexual, and, and even things that you might not even know possible, bestiality, all kinds of stuff, and then society collapses. 
All right, this is simple to find in history. Just go back through history, you can see this very, very simply. And so, so with that, let me go to Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Okay, remember I, I, as I, I vetted this a lot more last week. I'm just going to hit a couple of things this week. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, and that's what Satan hates so much. That, that you and I look like God, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we look like God. We're not God, don't confuse what I'm saying, we'll never be God. And we don't graduate into Godness and get our own planet, that's not what's happening. But you look like God. We, we were talking about this last night, we, we were, my kids were over for dinner and we were talking to my, my other kids. We're all in line together. We do this regularly. My son had just been in Mexico hunting, so we wanted to hear all the stories. And, um, and so we were talking. My granddaughter kept popping in, which really is who I care. You know. I was nodding with my son talking about it, looking around him for my granddaughter. But, but, and then my Isaac here, he looked at the picture of my daughter when she was about three or four years old, and he said, look how much that looks like Eloise, my granddaughter. That, 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 you know, Satan hates that about you. He hates that you look like God because he was not created in the image of God. God did not breathe his spirit into Satan. He was a created angelic being. You and I are not. And Satan hates that. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. And Satan has hated the fact that humans can first reproduce and then secondly, that we do reproduce. That this is, now, here's, even if you believe in evolution, think about this. One of the basic con, uh, contents of evolution is that, um, that there's a purpose for everything. That's, what, that's why something gains in the next level of evolution, right? Is because there, it needed this. Like a fish needed to have feet to walk on the land. I guess all the fish in the sea nowadays forgot that they needed that, and they just don't ever do that anymore. But they, they needed feet, so they start walking. I mean, that's what, it, there's a purpose to it. Now, here's the thing. Even if you believe in evolution, you have to understand. You have to look at the human body and say there are certain things about the human body that have purpose, that are intentional. One of the very basic that is, is with all humans, and it doesn't mean all humans have the ability to accomplish this, because sin broke us, right? We're, we're physically, uh, we're broken. Physiologically, we're broken. But reproduction, that's a basic human thing. And basic, all humans basically want to engage in this. I was waiting for some people like, nope. <clears throat> I know I, I, used to, I used to pray. I know this sounds silly, but I used to pray when I was a teenager, God, please, I don't ask you for much. <laughs> but God, please let me get married. Don't come back until I'm married. <laughs> At least one day. <laughs> okay, God? All right. So, so here's the thing. Because, see, I don't believe we evolved. I believe God created us and created us just like we are. And, and one of those basic things is for us to reproduce. And here's the reason is because we're not just reproducing 
um, physically. That's the way we think about it. But we're not just reproducing physically. And this is why, this is why Satan is so big about abortion. There's, there's other reasons too, but I think this is one of the big ones. Because I, I didn't understand this for years. I couldn't understand. As I became an adult and, and, as, and, and I'm a youth pastor and I'm trying to figure out... See, I believe... The Bible doesn't actually say this, by the way, but I believe that when a baby dies, either in the womb or as a young baby, that that baby uh, goes to heaven, okay? Now, here's something you might not process uh, properly with me, but you can look this up and prove this. The basic original core belief of Catholicism did not believe that. Just thought I'd throw that out there. You, you can study that to see if I'm right. They, they wouldn't say that nowadays, but they used to not. But so, so I always wondered, why is abortion such a big deal? Because to, I'm saying to Satan, because every child that is aborted immediately is in the presence of God. So at some particular point, um, Satan believes in filling up heaven with souls. I don't understand this. It, it seemed to be disconnected. But then it dawned on me one day, the, the part of the deal is because every time a human being is born, there is this amazing potential to be what God created it to be. And you have gifts, and there is a uniqueness in about you, and an intentionality in how God has designed you to accomplish it. Scripture says that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, that he has a plan for you, that before the creation of the earth, he knew you. That while you were in your mother's womb, he formed you and set you apart to be a voice of prophecy to the nations. You can go on and on with scriptures that show that God knows you specifically, hairs on your head are numbered, and he has a plan for you specifically, and you were created with a uniqueness that nobody else has to accomplish the thing that God has for you. That drives Satan crazy. The fact that there is even the slight potential that you may worship God someday. That drives him crazy. And then you actually may pray, seek his face. Then you may live a holy life. That you may seek after him with everything about you. Man, Satan, Satan hates that. He would rather you be gone before birth so that you step into heaven, whatever, in his perspective, rather than getting born and then displaying and glorifying God through your life. This is one of the things that I, I didn't understand this for years. And when I finally began to it, I don't, I don't know how to verbalize it properly. I know what God does in my spirit with this, but I don't know how to get it out to try to tell you how special you are in God's eyes. I don't know how to say it with the, with the magnitude, I think it's a spiritual thing that the Holy Spirit has to reveal that to you. That you are amazing to God. And that every single aspect of who you are is amazing to God. He, he, he really did a good job making you. But here's how, here's how we struggle with in our society. There's so much push from so many different angles uh, that, well, you're not pretty enough. You're not... Um, skinny enough. You're not muscular enough. You're not all, all this stuff. I, I remember years ago, we were watching, um, we were watching uh, uh, Cool Hand Luke. It's one of my favorite movies. And I looked over at my wife and I said something about Paul Newman. And she said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, what, what? 
She said, he's easy on the eyes. <laughs> I thought, I'm the only good-looking guy in your life. You know what? God has created amazingness in human beings. And I don't think sometimes we process that. God, God made us as, as, as a beautiful thing. What happens is then society starts telling you what's good looking and what's not. That, that ah, that irritates me. I don't, need, I don't need some Hollywood star to tell me what is attractive. I, I was joking about this. So I, I mean, I joke about this some, but Linda did this again this week. She, she, you don't know what I'm going to say yet. She was sitting there, and, and she, she, doesn't, she doesn't sit still well, uh, like watching TV and stuff. She doesn't do this. She types on her computer, does stuff, and the whole time she's like, no, who's that? It's like the main character in this show. What are you talking about? But, but she does, she's always, and finally she jumps up, and she says, I think I'm just going to make some oatmeal cookies, which are my favorite. I love oatmeal cookies, and her recipe is really, really good. And I, and I, I looked at her, I was just like, God, thank you for this woman. And then she said, hey, do you want some green chili? I do. <laughs> come here, come here. I, you know, I don't think, I'm not picking on the teenagers, but when you're this age, society is telling you everything. And society is wrong about pretty much all of it. They don't get it. They don't understand. Or, or I do think they do. I think society, I think society is manipulated by Satan. That this is what's attractive, or this is what is, is uh, good for you, or this is what you should look like. And we do all of this stuff. And God is saying, I made you. I like you the way you are. Three things, real quickly. God, God created, we are created in God's image. God designed you specifically. And here's the thing. This is important. Boys, God made you a boy for a reason. And that reason is way bigger than you'll ever know until you step into eternity. We need, to, we need to embrace that. God loves the fact that he created you. That he worked at it. He made it amazing. He made it unique. Girls, God created you to be girls. Don't be anything else. There is only two genders. And that's determined by our biological sex. In fact, that sentence doesn't even make sense to me. Our gender and our sex are the same thing. And God made that. And he made you so special. But see, Satan hates that. And he wants to twist it and pervert it and make it into something else so that God, so that he can somehow hurt God. That's, that's, his, that's, his, that's what makes him happy. Is that you look at God and say, I don't like what you did here, God. The second thing, God created you to be fruitful and multiply. Well, you need boys and you need girls to do that. I, I read an article the other day. The title of the article was, Can Men Get Pregnant? And I actually read an entire article about this. And at the end of it, I was just like, oh, I wanted to wash my brain out. Guys, it, it takes a whole different level of voluntarily believing a lie 
to, to try to convince yourself that you can have some kind of um, gender change to become a woman and, and so that you can have a baby, but then you're still a man. See, I'm confused. I don't, I, I, women have babies, okay? It doesn't matter whether they call themselves a man or not. Men do not have babies. And we can prove this very quickly. There is still procreation going on. You say, what? If the very first man that ever had a baby, we would never do it again. And we would warn all our buddies. The <laughs> fact that babies are still being born, proof. Women have babies. The third thing is you are created to glorify God. And guys, that's, that's the point that, that, um, that when God says that he loved his perfect ordered system so much that he sent Jesus to redeem us as human beings so that everything could be redeemed and saved. That's, he loves the fact that he made you the way that you are. He loves this earth that he put us on. He loves everything about it. And sin broke it. And Satan is still trying to break it, and he's trying to do it individual by individual by individual. And if he can somehow convince you that what God did is not good, or it's not the way it's supposed to be, he's winning the battle. Because God is perfect, and he's the creator of everything. Satan can't create. He can't even reproduce. Do you realize that we are way bigger than Satan in this context? You and I co-create with God. And we do that not just through reproduction, but we do it in all kinds of ways. Think about this, through art, through everything. I was sitting out there with, the, with these um, construction guys yesterday talking, and, and just I've, been, I've enjoyed them the whole time they've been here this last week or two. And we're sitting there talking, and, and all the things they're doing. And, and I told him, I said, can I, can I drive your tractor? <laughs> and he said, go ahead, get up in there. I said, are the keys in? He said, nope. <laughs> I was like, but, he, but he told me, get up in there. Do this. Do whatever you think you need. I was like, I feel like you're patronizing me. <laughs> but you know, people have ability to see things and to do things that other people don't have. That's, that's co-creating with God. And then at the highest level, it's the reproduction of humanity. You say, well, a male and female make little babies. Have you ever really thought about that? Some of you are like, yeah, a lot. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I mean, have you thought about the actual, what it causes to have a conception? That's a spiritual thing. That's a supernatural, God-breathed moment that you cannot accomplish without the help of God. You can't do it. It's impossible. And we are created to glorify God through this. Our life, our existence. There's nothing that I enjoy more than watching somebody get it and say, Jesus is God. I think that's truth. I think that's reality. I've been having some of these conversations with some of these construction guys around here. I'm loving it. Enjoy it. They're coming into my building, asking me questions. I'm like, what? Did you ask about Jesus? Okay, let me tell you. <clears throat> but, but guys, there's something about that moment. And, and then there's many other moments, but a, another one is when somebody realizes that God made them. 
And I don't just mean, I don't believe in evolution, I believe in creation. That's not what I mean. I mean that God specifically made you. All the uniqueness of you. Now think about this. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5, it says, A woman must not put on man's clothing. A man must not wear woman's clothing. Do you realize this is a 5,000-year-old a issue? Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord. Uh, I think King James says it's an abomination to God. Now here's the reason. Why? Why is this detestable? And you say, well, because it's wrong. It's, it's, it's sin. I don't necessarily know, and, I'm, and I may probably not take a strong enough stance for some of you in here. I don't necessarily know that it's a sin to put on woman's clothing. Let me give you an example. My mom had this shirt. It was a Hawaiian shirt that I really liked. She was going to throw it away, and I asked her, could I have it? Never told anybody this before. I wore this shirt for two or three years till I outgrew it. And one day I was at school, and this girl says, I was like junior high, because my mom was this tall. But um, <clears throat> I was at junior high, and this girl walks up and looks, looks at my shirt, and she kept looking at my shirt, and she said, that's a girl's shirt. I said, how do you know? I did not know this until this moment. She said, the buttons are on the wrong side. I was like, it feels weird every time I put it on. <laughs> I did not know that. Was I sinning? No. <laughs> but here's the thing. What, what becomes the direction towards sin is why in our heart do we desire that? In a way that's not just, Mom, can I have your shirt? <laughs> you know, I, let's just not take that off the table. Let's pretend like I didn't tell that story. Okay, but here's, here's the reason. Let's go back to John 3.16. God made this thing, and he ordered it, and he designed it. And it hurts God when you say, God, you made me a boy, but I don't like that. You made a mistake. You did something wrong. Or, God, I don't like the fact that you made me a girl. You, you really messed this one up because inside I'm a boy. Let me help you. Inside you are not a boy. Satan is trying to play you. And there's a lot of stuff that goes with that, insecurities and questioning, specifically for young children. Young children, they're processing everything. I mean, all kinds of stuff. We have a picture in our, in our house. It's on our coffee cabinet. And Emily, our daughter, our youngest, is six months, maybe, in that picture, something like that. And, um, and she looked a little rough at six months, all right? <clears throat> Her hair wasn't, you know, so, so she just looked a little rough. And the boys, I didn't know, Lynn and I didn't know this for a long time. The boys had told her for years that that's when, like when she got three, four, five, that age, that that picture was when she was a boy. <laughs> we didn't know this. We were standing there one time, and some people came in the house, and she pointed to the picture and said, that's when I used to be a boy. And we're like, what? <laughs> Hold on. What? Did you just say? And the boys are over there like. <laughs> and we're like, no, 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 no. Emily, here's the thing. You were never a boy. But see, but see here's the thing. Although the, my boys are kind of girls. 
But, but here's the thing with being, with being a boy, is God made you that way, and he has a reason. When you're a little child, you don't understand that, and you, there's a lot of things coming and going. You don't get it. You know, you have a, you have a girl that grows up with three or four brothers, and, it, and she's trying to figure out who she is, and that, they don't always get that. Or, or you have a boy that grows up with a lot of girls, that kind of thing, or you know, the, what we used to say back in the day, well, this girl's a tomboy or whatever because she likes to do this. The sports, whatever. I mean, all these things are just, they're just things, okay? But what happens today is a seven-year-old kid comes to mom and dad and says, I think I might be a boy. He says, I think I might be a girl. And mom and dad freak out. All of society has been telling us this. The counselors at school, the teachers, everybody freaks out. And they begin to say, well, maybe that is a boy inside. Let's celebrate that. And they push this child towards something that was just a thought. It was just a passing thing that, that they will eventually grow out of. It's not, it's not life-changing. It's just, as human beings, we do this stuff. Satan is trying to destroy us with it. And then you've got a bunch of parents that are, are, are not more mature than their seven-year-old and say, no, that's not who you are. Parents, it really is that easy. No, you're... You're not a boy, you're a girl. Or you're not a girl, you're a boy. And let me explain to you this. God made you that way. God, but see, it's being pushed in schools. It's being pushed in, in, in TV. And every, I mean, you can't hardly find a show now where there is not a gay couple somewhere in the show. Do you realize statistically that is not America? But we're pushing it. Why? Because it's an agenda. And by the way, it's not an agenda driven by leftists. It's an agenda driven by Satan. That we've got to get this. That this is not a political thing. I get so frustrated with Christians nowadays that, that can't talk about things because they say, well, that's political. Let me, tell, let me tell you things that are not political. Abortion, not political. That's a baby. That's not a politic. That, that LGBT stuff, gay marriage, all this, that is not political. That is spiritual. And Satan is trying to destroy us. This idea that our country is our God and they can tell us to do everything. That is not political. That is spiritual. And Satan is trying to destroy us through this stuff. And we just play games. And then, and then there's this mentality a lot of Christians have where we just, I just pretend like it doesn't exist. Pretend like it doesn't exist doesn't make it go away. Pretend like it doesn't exist has, has your children growing up and the people that are talking about it and do know exist control them. Guys, God made you. Celebrate that. Don't hate what God made. Let, let me go a little bit further with this because our society, and this is even strong in the church world. Quite a few years ago, I had a friend of mine in, uh, in church. He was a good friend. He came to me and he said, um, he said, I want to talk to you about something. And he actually eventually came to Lynn and I. Him and his wife came to Lynn and I. And said, um, we would like, we, we've been talking about this a while, and we wanted to let you guys know and just kind of get some feedback. He said, we want to do some plastic surgery uh, on my wife. Um, she needs a bigger chest. Now he made me stare at his wife's chest. I didn't want to do that. I was like, really? I didn't. <laughs> Seemed okay to me. I'm not a judge. Did I go too far there? I feel like I, okay, all right, stepped over. 
But I did say to him, I told him both. I said, guys, I'm kind of struggling with this some. I said, because why? This is how God made her. Why? And I looked at him, and I, and I did talk to him a few times about this when he and I were alone without her around. And I told him straight up, I said, I'm struggling with a guy that thinks that, that, that this needs to happen to his wife, that she needs to have this surgery. I'm struggling with this. You really, that's that important to you that you're willing for her to go under surgery and then potentially have long time problems the rest of her life for this? This is good? You think this is a plan? I didn't understand it. And I told her, I, I, I see this as an insecurity that has deep ramifications. Why can't we just say, God, thank you. You made me. You made me like this. I'm running out of time, so let me get to the bottom of this. You know they do that with people's bottoms, too. That's also weird. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, I mean Romans chapter 1, verse 18. I talked about this quite a few months ago, but I, I want to look at a little bit different parts of it. Verse 18, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Their actual wickedness suppresses the truth. That, that, that's a, that, that means that Satan is controlling the whole thing. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. And I've always believed this. This is why I don't believe there is such a thing as an atheist. I don't believe you can believe that there is no God. I, I think you can hope to believe that. I think there's an agnostic. In other words, I don't deal with it. I don't care. But to say, I don't believe there's God, I don't think that's possible. I, God has put it in your spirit that he's there and you cannot take that out. No matter how many atheists, and I've had big discussions with atheists before. And I, my, what I always say to them is, I don't believe in you. <laughs> what? I don't believe there's such a thing as an atheist. I am one. I don't believe you. Just keep saying that. They know the truth. God made it obvious. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. Paul tells us that you have, that you have um, a conscience, and that's the Holy Spirit telling you what's right or wrong. And that all humans have this. His eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. That's a Tower of Babel kind of thinking. We can reach God. We can define him. We can know who he is. We're doing the same thing today. I know what God thinks. I know what God believes. This is why when you see things like the, um, this, this um, evangelicals for uh, abortion, the political movement, evangelicals for abortion, whatever the name was, I... How can you say you believe God, his word, and understand who he is, and in the same sentence say that you believe murdering babies is okay? I, I... They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. When you stop letting God tell you who he is and you start creating that, you're going into darkness. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious and ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And we stopped making little carved idols in our enlightened um, society today. We now turn our children into these things that we're creating. 
We're changing our children into something that we want because we're a twisted and perverse nation. And we're taking our children, the same thing they did with idols, and we're creating them in our image instead of what God designed, which was his image. This is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way of to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. I know this isn't popular. Anytime I say it, it's not popular. But I know this to be true. This is why you have STDs and this is why you have AIDS. It is, it is what we have brought onto ourselves through homosexuality. You say, well, heterosexual people uh, get AIDS too. Yeah, how? Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. In other words, if, this, if you want to be stupid, you can be stupid. God will let you. He'll let you go that direction. Let them do things that should never be done. Their lives were full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. I like it. He throws that in on the end. Part is because as a pastor, I've experienced a lot of gossip in my life. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. (laughs) Don't you like that? They do that in there. They refuse. My mother used to say to me all the time when I was growing up, you better, you better honor me, God will kill you. She'd say that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, okay. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires it that those who do these things deserve to die, but they won't do them anyway. And they also encourage others to do them. Guys, let me leave you with this. Please let the Holy Spirit show you he made you just like he wants you. He made you. Boys, he made you. Girls, he made you just like he wants you. Don't fight against it. Learn to be what he designed you to be. Learn to, to, to blossom into what he has desired for you. And parents, this is where it comes to you. Start having the conversations way earlier than you think you need to. And have strong conversations. Don't try to butter it up. Don't try to make it pleasing to, to be you know, acceptable the way society does stuff today. It drives me crazy. If your kid comes home and says, my teacher said that maybe I should be a girl. You say, your teacher's wrong. You don't have to say they're an idiot, but if you want to throw that in there, you can. Your teacher is wrong. And then guess what you need to do? You need to go to Miss Teacher and tell her you are out of line. Don't do that again or I'll be calling a lawyer. This is, the parents, you need to be having these conversations. Talk to your children about what God did when he created them. Pray with your kids. Acknowledge the fact that they are special and unique just how they are. Don't just avoid the subject. Talk to them. You've got to do that. Why don't you stand with me? Three statements of submission. God, I will be who you want me to be. God, I will accept the way you made me. This is for every age and every, both genders in this room. I accept the way that you made me. 
And I want to glorify you with who I am in all things. Because you made me to do that. Right? Let's pray. Lord, we submit to you. I submit who I am as a male. God, you made me this way. God, I want to be the best male that you've created. I want to accomplish all the things that you've called me to accomplish and be all the things that you call me to be. Lord, I ask you to forgive me when I try to do it my way or create some paradigm that, that is unique to me. God, you're the originator, not me. You're God, I'm not God. Lord, I pray for every male in this room that they acknowledge, Lord, you created me this way and I accept it and I want to glorify you with this. Help us to be the best men, boys, husbands, fathers. Help us to be the best men in society that we can be and glorify you in every step. God, for all the girls, help them to realize they are a beautiful gift to this planet. Just, be, just by being a girl. God, you have made them this way. Help them to respect it and to acknowledge it. That, that their beauty is something that you gave them, not something society defines, but that you gave them. In the name of Jesus. God, save our kids. Save our kids from this evil, this demonic push, this spirit of Antichrist. Save our kids. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Tell somebody Jesus loves them. And a couple times this week, look in the mirror and say, Jesus loves you too. You'd be amazed at what God can do with that. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them you're glad that they are what they are. Don't go any farther than that. And uh, we will see you Wednesday. Have a great afternoon.